you're in the Freedom Hut. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest from Buck at BuckSexton.com. Get ready for all the propaganda tonight from Joe Biden, from the uh, the Democrat left, the socialists. Oh, man, they're going to be telling you about how they're going to spend us into prosperity, baby. That's right. Take as much money from the rich and give as much to the poor as they can, because they're just a bunch of Robin Hoods. They're all they're all about the little guy in this Democrat Party. That's why all the big tech plutocrats and Wall Street. And that's why they're all Democrats now, right? Because they care so much about the little guy. Oh, and they also spend a lot of time thinking about what they're doing to the currency, what they're doing to the value of dollars. Uh, That's why they're spending trillions and trillions, right? That's not something that you can trust them on at all. History intrigues me, as you know, and that's why I'm looking at gold very closely. Gold has been a measure of wealth all throughout history. It has maintained value. Gold's never been worth zero because you can't print it. It's not just numbers on a screen. Well, now you can have real gold and silver as part of your wealth, either in your retirement accounts or delivered securely to your home by working with the Oxford Gold Group. This is what I've done. I have real gold and silver at home from the Oxford Gold Group, so I'm prepared. You should be, too. The Oxford Gold Group is the industry leader in precious metals, and it's the only gold and silver company I trust. They'll beat any competitor's price on gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. If you want to get financial stability, you want to prepare for an uncertain future, look into acquiring real gold and silver with the Oxford Gold Group. Call today, 833-600-GOLD. Don't gamble with your hard-earned money. Put your money into something solid, safe, and secure. 833-600-GOLD. 833-600-GOLD. Get your free investment guide right now. The State of the Delusion Address from Joe Biden coming up tonight. We should all know more or less what it's going to be. I understand that they got this guy elected by making it seem like he was a repudiation at some level of the socialist surge within the Democrat Party. But no, that's not true. That's not the case. He was just the mask. He was the facade, the Trojan horse, as we've said, to get left wing policies through by convincing Just enough. Remember, they didn't convince you and me. They just had to convince a few hundred thousand voters in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona. It wasn't that many people. That's what this was all about. They just had to fool enough people to put the Democrat radical left in charge. And that's what we've got right now. So tonight you'll be hearing about the. $1.8 trillion plan that Biden's got for free universal pre-K, two years paid college tuition, 12 weeks of family leave, extended tax cuts for low and middle income workers, all supposedly funded by taxes on the rich. Yeah, this is going to be great for a an economy that's struggling to recover massive taxation and enormously wasteful and inefficient government programs. Isn't that what makes everybody prosperous when the government takes from people and then gives crumbs? Remember, it's always fed through the bureaucratic machinery first. Now, the money that's taken from you, then it has to go through all these different government agencies and hands, and they're all 
on their own schedules, doing what they want to do, moving as slowly as humanly possible, because it doesn't matter how good they are, how efficient they are at their jobs in the government. And they're taking their benefits and their pay. And eventually they distribute some crumbs to the actual people who are supposed to get them. And you're told to be grateful about this. You're told to be thankful, whether you're a recipient of uh, the crumbs or you're somebody who's uh, paying for it. And in many ways, we all pay for it, as you know, because it affects overall economic growth and prosperity. But uh, this is exactly what you would have had no matter who won on the Democrat side. Don't you see? It's all about the party now. And it is a Democrat socialist party. That should be quite clear. The socialism of Bernie Sanders, of AOC, in no way has been uh, lessened or abandoned because Joe Biden won. No, this was the clever plan all along. This is what they've decided needs to happen because they don't yet have 51 percent of the American people who completely abandon history, common sense, an understanding of human nature and think that the real secret to our success, the real way to achieve a better future is with government helping us. That's the way it's all going to get better. That's what's going to make your life work so well or make you not work because who needs it, right? Why not just get to the universal basic income? Why can't the government just write checks for everyone all the time? And why does it have to only be a little bit here and there? Democrats have no answer for this, really. They, they don't believe that there is ultimately a problem. And if they had their way, many of them would want a universal basic income and an extreme tax on the wealthy. I, I really have so many problems with what you're going to hear tonight from Biden. Uh, first of all, the guy is a joke and we all know it. You know it. I know it. Even Democrats at some level know it. But I think they enjoy this now. I think that the the Democrat left gets giggles out of having this quasi senile absurdity of Joe Biden, a man who stands for nothing other than his own political advancement and who's just become a creature of the party. You know, Biden is like a little creature of the Politburo of the DNC. And he's just been around so long that, you know, his name and he was the guy that they could get elected. They never stopped to think whether he was the guy they should get elected. And I think the left gets a kick out of this. See, we can even make this geriatric buffoon the leader of the free world. That's what they want you to know. That's what they want to show you. And there's so much just philosophically that bothers me about this approach. And you're, you're noticing that there's a there's a plan involved here as well. We're spending so much time as a nation fixated on police relations with the African-American community on the lie that BLM tells that cops go out routinely and systematically murdering unarmed black men. It is not true. It is incredibly rare. It is an unfair smear to say that law enforcement does this on a regular basis. But we have to defend not just law enforcement, but with it rule of law and our overall society and the innocent people who suffer when there are more murders and robberies and rapes because Democrats think it's clever. They think it's funny to undermine cops, go out there, march in the streets. And then, sure, if the civilizational arsonists of the left 
cause some damage in the process, it's the price they're willing to pay. But while we're all focused on that, there's less attention on the fact that government expansion right now under the Biden administration is massive. That's what they're really trying to accomplish here. And it's one of the reasons I've been so angry about mask mandates and lockdowns, because this is conditioning the American people for what is effectively a bloodless socialist coup of our society. This is conditioning us to think, well, we can only do what the government says we can do. And the government can make determinations about anything. Literally, the air you can breathe is at the whim of the government. Your ability to breathe free, fresh air, your ability to leave your home. All of these things are now determined by bureaucrats and politicians, and you get no say in it. Doesn't matter what the Constitution guarantees you. Doesn't matter what basic liberties, natural law prescribes for you. They can do whatever they want and they can expand their power however they want. And that's what's at stake right now. And, and tonight you'll hear a speech that could have been given by a President Kamala, which, as we know, may still happen and may happen in this term, uh, but could have been given by a President uh Sanders or Warren or Castro or you name it Booker any of them it's just class warfare identity politics socialism that's really the the tri- the triad the the three-legged stool of the democrat party right now class warfare race politics socialism and that's what it'll all be about tonight i mean they'll they'll use all the the flowery language of, oh, you know, Joe Biden's going to, you know, we're going to give you, you know, no joke, friends. We're going to provide, you know, opportunity, investment, investment in the human infrastructure. Because humans are really our infrastructure. And and we're going to make sure that little little boy who looks up at the sky and wants to be an astronaut understands that it's only possible if we have a millionaire's tax and universal pre-K, you know what's going to happen. You know what he's going to say before it's even said. And the Democrats are all going to cheer all the journos who have found their way into the bottom rung of the upper class, because that's really the ultimate the ultimate aim. You got to got to go work at The New York Times, then get a book deal, then maybe get a CNN gig as well. You all you piece it all together and you'll notice that they're always cheering for the rich income level to be just about above where you can really get as a mainstream, as a uh, mainstream corporate journo type. You know, it used to be $250,000 a year. Now it's more like 400. You know, they think that's the number. If we're really talking about rich people, rich people in America are making millions of dollars a year. All right. Anything less than millions of dollars a year is not rich. Go go check out real estate prices in dozens of major cities across the country. All right. Making 400 grand between two people. If you live in San Francisco, just makes you, believe it or not, middle class <laughs> in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, in New York City. Increasingly, even a place like Washington, D.C. Sure, you wouldn't be middle class, but you're not rich. You're not rich. But the class warfare rhetoric is so powerful because envy makes for very effective politics. Biden's going to unveil 
almost $2 trillion of what will be spending and, of course, tax raises. Universal pre-K. Here's a problem that we need to figure out how to tackle as a society. Uh, We need to make families and having children and motherhood and fatherhood central. We We need to make them foundational within our society in everything that we do. The family should be the centerpiece of America. And our policies should be geared toward assisting in that. And that doesn't mean creating the so-called two-income trap. It doesn't mean having the state raise your children. You can go back and read New York Times articles from decades past praising the Soviet child care system because it was so great it allowed both men and women to go to the glass factory where the glass was always breaking in the Soviet Union, right? So to speak. But they praise it. They say it's great. Let's get everybody. Let's get everybody into offices, men and women, because we're the same, right? There's no difference between what men and women aspire to in general. Oh, no, there is. There are there are there are big differences. And of course, people should be free to pursue their destiny as they see fit, male or female. But we have policies that are set up to force father, mother, both into the office. Both into the job. Why? Uh, Democrats are statists. They want good little automatons showing up and being productive, you know, for the motherland, so to speak. There's something always very Soviet in feel about the way the Democrats view human beings in society. And I think, unfortunately, we're going to start to learn just how far they're willing to go with that impulse. This is our first hundred days. When it started out, there was all the skepticism. Uh, This is my first hundred, Joe Biden's first hundred. It's a rare moment that those have coincided with majority leader and president. They said, Schumer, you're never going to get this done. You've got to do an impeachment trial. You've got to do the president's cabinet. You've got to get the the American Rescue Plan done. It's impossible. We got it done. And now people are really happy with us. People are, after these first hundred days, people are getting injections in their arms. They're getting money in their wallets. Small businesses and businesses are opening up again, and life is beginning to get back to normal. We're going to have a very good next hundred days because the demands of the American people are so, so important. And we will get it done. We will try to do as much of it what we can in a bipartisan way. And that's good, and that's working in a good way. But if there are needs of the people that can't be done in a bipartisan way, our caucus will put our heads together. We will figure out how to get it done. Uh, certainly no decisions have been made yet, but reconciliation is on the table. And uh, we'll get it done. Just just throwing that in there at the end, you know, I mean, we might just use a budgetary trick, a, a, a gimmick of the budgeting process that's supposed to be for minor things to slam through whatever we want. Whatever the Democrats want to write checks for, they're just going to go for it. No Republican votes. No Republican votes necessary or needed. Uh, I hope everybody remembers this come the next election when the Democrats position themselves as the reasonable centrist party. Notice this is the game they play. And they get away with it because the media is a propaganda arm for the DNC, as you know. And because the Democrats in general are just shameless. I mean, they embrace the politics of raw power and the acquisition of raw power at the expense of truth and and decency and fairness doesn't matter. They're in charge. 
Elections have consequences. The most important statement, really, of the Obama Democrat mentality of all. They won. We lost. Deal with it. That's their approach. I want everybody to remember that. You know, it's not enough for them to come out victorious in the battle. They want to go around afterwards and bayonet all the survivors. That's the approach. Rub your face in it. You didn't just lose the match. They want to just stick your face in the muddy water and say, you know, eat it. That's the idea. All right. We are big boys and girls on the right. We can handle it. We will. We stay in the fight. That's one of the things. If, if, I, if I have a mantra at all, I, I'd have to say that's what it is. You just got to stay in the fight. It's the most important. For all of you listening all across the country, whatever you're dealing with, I know we've all got our challenges. I know the country's got its challenges. There's no easy way. There's no straightforward answers. There's just you stay in the fight. And that's what we'll do against this Democrat Party. Unfortunately, some of the Republicans out there, I think, are not exactly fighters by nature. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, how is it that this is the minority leader that we have at this point in time? I mean, we we need a political barroom brawler. You know, we need a guy who's had his nose. I'm speaking metaphorically. He's got his nose broken so many times. It's, you know, going in four different directions. He's got cauliflower ears and he just has that man getting punched in the face. Feels like a good time to me attitude. You know, there's always that guy in the tough bar and McCarthy is not that guy. And here he is telling us, you know, yeah, we'll work with the other side. Play eight. Coming into this administration, when I sat there at the inaugural, I thought there'd be a lot of places we could have bipartisanship. I think it's more in the first hundred days this president doesn't want bipartisanship. If you listen to the White House, they don't believe bipartisanship is working with any Republicans. They think uh, somehow they just title it that. Um, you would never produce bills of those trillions of dollars if it was bipartisanship. You would never have a COVID bill that less than 9% goes to COVID. You'd never have an infrastructure bill that only has 6% of it. You'd never have an infrastructure bill that puts more money into subsidizing electric cars than it does for building roads, airports, and highways combined. So they've got to come a long way, but I will tell you from a Republican point of view, we are willing to work with anybody. We want to solve these problems, and if they won't do it, that's what you're finding here at this retreat from our policy uh, task forces, we will. I, I, I bet he's a nice guy. You know, I don't know him. I actually haven't really ever even, uh, I don't think I've ever even interviewed him. I can't even remember everybody I've interviewed anymore. I don't think I've ever even talked to McCarthy. Uh, he's probably a nice guy, but, uh, I mean, he's a politician. A good politician is very hard to know, and you always have to remember this is another another mantra for life. A man who tries to be good all the time will surely come to ruin from the many men who are bad. Machiavelli. So even a good person has to be willing to get their hands dirty sometimes. Is Kevin McCarthy that guy? Is he ready for this political fight? Democrats know they've got between now and the end of the year to transform the country. This is when they run up the socialism scoreboard. This is when the authoritarian commie scoreboard gets run up too. And then they're going to present themselves as something else to try to win in the midterms. So how do we hold the line now? 
What can we do now to change minds and to change political momentum? That's what we need a minority leader uh, focused on. I know it's going to get even more complicated to keep everything going economically for yourself, right? To make sure that your, your bills are all paid and you can try to save, whether it's for a college fund or a, a house or just trying to build more for your future. The Biden administration is going to make all that stuff tougher, but you want to prepare now. And part of that, you know, I know you're buying a home, having babies, building wealth at that part of your life, but you should secure your family's future now. And something that has to be on your to-do list is establishing a will or trust. The best place to do this is trustandwill.com. And trustandwill.com, setting, setting up an estate plan is simple, convenient, and secure. For as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who gets your stuff, and plan for future medical care, all from the comfort of your home. I mean, hiring a traditional estate attorney can cost thousands. And using a one-size-fits-all template is not nearly specialized enough. I've been at trustandwill.com to set up for myself a trust. And I got to tell you, it's so straightforward. The interface is really easy to use. I choose trust and will, and you should too, okay? And they, they put you through some quick questions so they can really tailor this to your specific needs. It's not expensive. $39. Take this action today. You know, we've all got to pay our taxes. I know we got that on our minds right now. You've also got to take the actions necessary to secure your family's future. A trust or will is the way to go. Trustandwill.com slash buck right now. This is really important. You'll get 10% off plus free shipping of the actual hard copy documents you'll need. Trustandwill.com slash buck for 10% off. Just go right now to this website. Trustandwill.com slash buck. You know, we still believe as people are uh, in small gatherings, medium-sized gatherings, when they are unvaccinated, you're at risk. You have people who are at risk of severe disease. So we do believe in those settings, um, masks should still occur. Certainly any activity is, um, is less risky when you have more ventilation, more space between people, more people wearing masks if they're unvaccinated. But again, I'd go back to uh, the primary principles of being outdoors in general and wearing masks until outdoors until you have a vaccine. CDC guidance, absurd, contradictory, doesn't take into account what's actually going on across the country. If you were wondering, the CDC's new guidance is uh, exactly what I thought it would be, which is that they're just giving you a, li a little bit more leeway. A little bit more leeway than you had before. The lab coat tyrants of the federal health bureaucracy are saying that, you know, if you're fully vaccinated, you now can be outside without a mask on. Oh, gosh. Oh, gee, golly, gosh, that's just so exciting. I can tell you that I have never during this pandemic worn a mask outdoors alone because it's stupid, because it's unnecessary, because it's unrealistic to expect that anyone would go through that because of the incredibly low chance of both. Remember, you have to have covid to give it to somebody and the chance of transmitting it to somebody, even if you do have it outdoors, is very, very low. Here's what the. CDC director says about documented transmission. Play seven. 
Thank you. There's increasing data that suggests that most of transmission is happening indoors rather than outdoors. Less than 10% of documented transmission in many studies have occurred outdoors. Um, we also know that there's a almost a 20-fold increased risk of transmission in the indoor setting and the outdoor setting. That, coupled with the fact that we now have 37% 30, uh, of people over the age of 18 fully vaccinated, and the fact that our case rates are now starting to come down, motivated our change in guidance. As noted, this is the third time we've changed our guidance um, in for fully vaccinated people. And as more people get vaccinated and as case rates continue to come down, we will come up with um, further updates. Ah, thank you, mask overlords, for, for letting us peasants, if we get fully vaccinated, mind you. So for those of you that are not vaccinated and don't plan on getting it, mask up forever outside, baby. At least according to the CDC, I know you're I know, I know you're not. Don't get mad at me. I know you're not actually going to. And I'm not telling you to. I'm just saying this is what the CDC is telling you. Um, mask up outdoors. You know, the the biggest study of this that that has yet been uh, the, the most famous study, I should say, that's been done was in China. They looked at 400 outbreaks of covid-19. They thought that maybe one of them involved outdoor transmission. So you can do the math on that. That's substantially less than 1%. And this, though, is, is a time when you have to think to what we've been put through for the last year. I have had friends. I've been told by people to mask up outside. And I will tell you, I'm not a violent person. But when, they say, when they've said that to me, one, I do not comply. And two, I kind of want to throw something at them. Maybe the filthy, disgusting dirty mask that is kept in my back pocket just in case I have to go into a store, right? Let's all be honest. Not We're not wearing fresh masks all the time, which, oh, that's right. From an epidemiological perspective, is that a good idea? Is breathing through a dirty mask all the time a good thing for you? Some of you may have seen the, uh, the high school runner who broke uh, the school 800-meter record and passed out at the finish line. Why? Oxygen deprivation from running with a mask on. But they've been telling you to run with a mask on in this country, even though the World Health Organization says exercising with a mask on is not advisable. So we go beyond WHO guidelines. So who are the real experts? The Fauci fascists. That's who you're supposed to listen to. Dr. Fauci. That little just tyrant turd. The guy is the worst. The absolute worst. I've been going back in time, looking at all the, the tweets that I've put out there, all the times I've said outdoor masking is unscientific. Outdoor masking is unreasonable. There is no basis for this. They say, oh, no, you know, sorry, it could happen. These are the same people that were telling everybody to wipe their groceries down with Lysol. Uh, pro tip, that's also not a healthy, good thing to do. I don't think you want to you want to wipe antibacterial chemicals all over your food for no reason. But a huge percentage of Americans were doing that because of the incredibly remote chance, the one in 10,000 chance that you would have COVID contact from that surface. And the one in 10,000 number is their number now, just so you remember that. They've been wrong all along. There's been so much cowardice and control and fear and hysteria around this. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. They're going to eventually 
tally up how many of us got COVID. I got COVID, as you know. I'm sure a lot of you listening got COVID. They're going to tally up how many of us have had this disease over the last, whatever it is now, 15, 16 months. And we're going to find that at least a third, maybe closer to a half of the country got COVID. That's that's a realistic. I mean, they're, they're already at what? 35, 40 million infections documented. And they think they catch at best one in five now, maybe at the early stages, it was more like one in 10. So think of all the mitigation measures, the masks. Oh, we're doing a great job. Keep doing a great job. Then the virus was just ripping through the country as the virus chose to. And we had morons in charge who didn't have any real means of stopping it, who were just harassing all of us and politicizing all of this and making the mask some kind of anti-Trump symbol. I'm not going to let it go. Joe Biden uh, came out yesterday and was telling everybody about this, this, this new guidance. Here's, here's what he said. Play three. I announced that we had crossed the threshold of 200 million shots. We've now, since Inauguration Day, we have given 215 million shots. And that uh, anyone 16 years of age or older is now eligible to get the vaccine now, today, immediately. And because of the extraordinary progress we've made in fighting this virus and the progress our scientists have made in learning about how it gets transmitted, earlier today, the CDC made an important announcement. Starting today, if you're fully vaccinated and you're outdoors, you need, and not in a big crowd, you no longer need to wear a mask. I want to be absolutely clear. If you're in a crowd, like a stadium or at a conference or a concert, you still need to wear a mask, even if you're outside. So just to be clear, here's the president telling you that even if you are fully vaccinated and outdoors, so you're 90 percent plus protected against any infection of any kind and you're outside where maybe one percent of transmission occurs. Keep in mind, in New York City restaurants, they had pretty good data on this. One percent of covid transmission, they believe, was happening in, in restaurants in it with indoor dining. So outdoors, how much transmission do you really think is happening? It's got to be less than one percent. So you're over 90% protected, 95% if you get both Pfizer doses. And there's a and you're talking about a minute transmission risk. And still they want you to mask up outside if you're in a crowd. Jackasses. Total jackasses. And I know for a lot of you, a lot of you live in in Colorado and uh, a lot of you who live in Texas and parts of the country that well Colorado's unfortunately got a pretty liberal state government, but you know, if you live in Florida, you're thinking, ah, whatever, I don't have to I don't have to listen to this crap. OK, but anywhere where the federal government has sway, you do. And anywhere where there's a national a national chain, a store, they're still and that's indoors, I understand. But this mentality is going to be out there. We're all going to have to keep dealing with this. And Biden wants, you know, no matter what, you better keep listening to them. Keep listening to the science. 
you know, eventually, give it like four or five years. So what if you're just going to be puking in your mask when you're on the treadmill for a couple more years? Small price to pay to make me feel like uh, Fauciites are not morons. And uh, yeah, here he is telling, uh, well, this is Biden telling you to keep listening to the guidance. Play two. I urge all Americans, don't let up now. Keep following the guidance. Go get your vaccination now. It's free and it's convenient. 90% of the American people live within five miles of a site where you can get a vaccination. You can do this, and we will do this. You can do this. It's going to happen. We're going to force you because we know better than you, and you have no rights. We control you. Thanks, Uncle Joe. You know, remember Uncle Joe Stalin? Let's start calling Biden Uncle Joe. It, it, you know, it sets up a strange situation, especially when you start talking about kids. I'll tell you a story. I walked to pick up my little girl at the bus stop yesterday after the CDC recommendations came out. I took off my mask. I waited for her. There was no one else around. She got off the bus with her little mask on. She had to wear her mask. I didn't on the walk home. When are kids going to be able to take off those masks and play outside at the playground? You know, that's going to be the same thing that I mentioned a moment ago. It's going to be a situation. Well, first of all, kids will ultimately wind up getting vaccinated. But you want to have some activity in that direction before they do. High school kids will likely get vaccinated as we get into the fall term. And children of any age will likely be vaccinated by the time we get to the end of the year. But let's not talk about the end of the year. Let's talk about the immediate or intermediate future. When children are out in the community, when you have 30, 40, 50,000 new infections per day, they, they are unvaccinated now because children can't get vaccinated now. And for that reason, they are more at risk of getting infected because they are out in the community where there is a lot of infection. When the community level starts to go way down, the risks to everybody, including the children, is going to be dramatically diminished. There is no real risk to children. How many times do we have to go over this? Less risk than from seasonal flu by the numbers that the CDC has. So why are children? He's talking about risk to children and the risk to children from COVID is acceptable, meaning they should be able to live their lives, be in school. But Fauci is a little moron fascist. And he's a Democrat and he wants CNN and MSNBC to keep having him on. And for all their little little hysterical viewers, they go, Fauci's going to save us. Yeah, he's done a great job, hasn't he? It's gone really well in this country. Who's the architect of our anti-COVID policies? Dr. Anthony Fauci. Go back and read about what a great job he did dealing with HIV in the early days of that outbreak. Wrong, wrong and wrong again. Awful policies. But he worked for the government, so he didn't get fired. So he stayed, so nobody cared. Savannah Guthrie pushes him a little bit on this. Play 15. But isn't it a weird situation because I'm not fully vaccinated yet. I can take off my mask and walk home. She can't. Like, aren't, doesn't that just point up that these CDC guidelines, there's some kind of disconnect if that's the situation? Well, yeah, what you're pointing out, you're, 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 what you're referring to, Savannah, is the top two uh, 
not fully vaccinated that people can go out without masks. If you walk, run with members of your household, attend a small outdoor gathering, fully vaccinated with friends. Then after that, everything has a mask on it, as you're showing correctly now on the screen. So what you're asking, if you are on the left-hand part and you see unvaccinated people, walk outdoors with members of your household. And you're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> She's like, wow, wow. She, you could tell she has to worship Fauci because she's a lib working for libs. But, but even she there for a moment realized, oh, this is crazy. This is nuts. No, just just listen to that little commissar. You know, if you look at the chart and it's a, house, a member of your household, but semi-vaccinated member outdoors, we're talking wind going three, four miles per hour, you know, not major wind, but but, but some wind. We're talking maybe, you know, 65 degrees because we're in the northeastern United States. You know, the, the deciduous trees are beginning to to come back into bloom. Not yet full summer, but late spring. And you're looking at the atmospherics here. What what would be the pressure in the air? And, and yeah, you know what people are going to do? They're just going to stop wearing their GD masks outside because they can't check to see if you're vaccinated anyway. So why go through this pretense? But for libs, they they obey. They want they want to get they want to have Fauci pat them on the head. I obeyed all the regulations in New York City. I got sick with COVID. I did everything that I was told to do. I got sick with COVID anyway. I thought all the things I had to do were pretty stupid, but I had no choice. Right. So as far as I'm concerned, there are a lot of us out here saying um, didn't work. Did all these things didn't work. So why should I keep doing these things exactly? The question I really want an answer from Fauci on is why should those of us who beat the virus get vaccinated at all? Where's the evidence that the vaccine is better than than natural immunity derived from infection? Where's that study? Oh, we don't know, but you got to, you know, you got to do the Absolutely, absolutely awful. This little commissar wants to be in charge of society for as long as, as we let him. As long as we let him, I, I just wish there was one state that would say no more mask mandates of any kind. I just wish there was one. I mean, you could say, oh, Florida, it's not true. I've been to Miami. You got a mask up in stores. You got a mask up in cars. No more mask mandates. You know, punish, punish mask mandates. Find a way. The only the only way it seems to me to get rid of this authoritarianism is to use Use the force of the state in the other direction now. Certainly outdoors, banned. Safety hazard. Sorry, need to see who you are. Banned. I know there's a lot of regulation these days from the Biden administration. You're going to get even more of it coming up. They're just getting started. The little commissars of Biden and, and Team Kamala, they're going to be making things harder for you at the federal level. And that's going to filter down to the states as well. As you know, when you're running a business, for all the small business uh, folks out there, HR issues, that's right, human resources, that stuff can kill you. I'm talking wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries aren't cheap. You got $70,000 a year on average to pay out of your business. 
That's why I want you to try Bambi. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. It was created specifically for small business. You'll get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. All you have to do is go to Bambi.com slash buck right now, and you can schedule your free HR audit. That's B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash buck. Bambi.com slash buck. You can get a free HR audit right now, $39 a month, and taking such a big headache off your plate. Handle your HR right now for your small business with Bambi. Go to this website, Bambi.com slash buck. There are very few people who you could match up against Fauci now in terms of celebrity. This guy is very well known. He is considered now the most famous alumni of my high school. Oh, God, I know what 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 happened. Jesuit institutions. What have we done? Uh, but he is a guy that is on everyone's mind because he likes it because he's on TV every five seconds and he's always telling us what to do. And people that think for themselves have already realized that this guy for a long time now is really intellectually subpar and shouldn't be listened to when it comes to policy. He wants to provide data. Fine. But this notion of the CDC giving recommendation guidelines on these things No, this should have been left to state officials. It should have been left to people like Ron DeSantis, who thank God for him. Can you imagine where we'd be as a country? If if you look at Europe right now, there are European countries that have gone back into hard lockdowns in the last couple of months. Can't leave your home as if that's going to work this time. How many times do they have to do it? What's the point of it? You lock down, you got to unlock down. They said it was about hospital capacity. That was just to get you to comply. That was just to get you to agree. And then they just kept you in there. Just go in the closet. I promise I'll let you out in 30 seconds. We're just going to lock you in the closet for 30 seconds. It's only going to be 30 seconds. Guess what? Once you're in that closet. Oh, sorry. Uh, We got to keep you in there for your own safety. It's going to be a couple of days. That's what they've done to us. That is what the Fauciite lockdowners have done to society. Oh, we promise it's just going to be 30 seconds to keep you safe. Three weeks later, hello, I'm in the closet. Can you let me out, please? No, Fauci says no. But there's one person who has a similar level of reach right now to Dr. Fauci, at least in terms of audience, and that would be Joe Rogan, who I believe does the biggest podcast in the world. And Fauci was asked about this because Rogan's pointed out, why do young, healthy people have to get vaccinated? Why do they have to do it? They're going to be fine. We all know we've 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 seen all the data. People in their 20s and 30s who and younger who get covid are, are going to be fine. Yeah, there's the, you know, one in 100,000 who's going to get really sick, goes to the hospital and dies. But that's true of a lot of diseases. You know, by the you know how I told you that um, they were shutting down the uh, the what, what was it? The Johnson and Johnson vaccination. Uh, and I said that. You know, you could also do this with Tylenol. You know, they actually came out and said that later on it, it was about 
the same as the risk of stomach bleeding and impossible hospitalization from taking any NSAID, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. So what I said to you just offhand was true. It would be like saying no more NSAIDs because one in 100,000 people uh, have a really severe reaction to it. That's what they did with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Yeah. These are the people that are making decisions for you folks. Just remember that. Uh, but Joe Rogan brought up that he doesn't think that healthy people should have to get vaccinated. And this is a this is a challenge to the Fauciite consensus that must be taken very seriously because. Well, hold on a second. Joe, Joe Rogan has a really big audience and people will listen to him. And he's a thoughtful guy. You know, he's left of center, but he's not a dogmatic leftist. And Fauci uh, has to slap him down. You can't you can't. Uh, you can't mess with Fauciism. He won't allow it. Play 16. Real quickly, I want to ask you, popular uh, podcast host Joe Rogan, you may have heard about this, made comments about young people getting vaccinated. Vaccinated is getting a lot of buzz. He said, if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I say no. If you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating well, I don't think you need to worry about this. Saying young, healthy people shouldn't get vaccinated. Just quickly, your response. Well, that's incorrect, Savannah. And the reason why is that's you're talking about yourself in a vacuum, then. You're worried about yourself getting infected and likelihood that you're not going to get any symptoms. But you can get infected and will get infected if you put yourself at risk. And even if you don't have any symptoms, you're propagating the outbreak because it is likely that you, even if you have no symptoms, that you may inadvertently and innocently then infect someone else who might infect someone who really could have a problem with a severe outcome. Yeah. So if you yeah. want to only worry about yourself and not society, then that's OK. But if you're saying to yourself, even if I get infected, I could do damage to somebody else, even if I have no symptoms at all. And that's the reason why you've got to be careful and get vaccinated. Yeah. So you say young, healthy people should get vaccinated. Absolutely. He's going to want to vaccinate your babies. Just understand that he's going to want to vaccinate your your one year old, your six month old. That's where we're heading. They're going to try to make you do it. And they're going to use social pressure, too. They're going to use the societal pressure of we can't go back to normal until you get your one-year-old a COVID vaccination. I, I want you to be prepared for that because this is where it's heading. I'm not saying that you will have to make. I'm not saying you will have to do anything. That's going to be up to you. I am telling you, I know the Fauci mindset. You know I do. I've seen this guy's moves on the chessboard several moves ahead all along. You know that. If you've been listening to me for the last year, I know exactly where this is going. And I've been surprised, honestly, some conservatives who, you know, talk so much about the Constitution, all these things, who have been mask advocates, who have been okay with the suspension of constitutional liberties because the CDC says so. I mean, it's, you know, I don't, I don't want to waste my time picking at our own side, but it's amazing to see some of the people out there and the platforms and the followings they have on the right who have been okay with a lot of this stuff. And I'm very thankful for those conservatives who have been with me, you know, holding the line on this and speaking the truth on this all along. This is about more than ratings and Twitter followers, friends. This is about the country. This is about freedom. But Fauci's going to want your six-month-old child or your one-year-old child to be vaccinated because of the one-in-a-million chance that your child... Remember, they clear it very quickly as well. 
They have asymptomatic infections that they clear. What are what is the real level of asymptomatic infection as part of overall infection? They don't know. They tried to say at one point it's 40 percent. It's actually far lower than that. But they they wanted an outcome, which was getting everybody to think, oh, you could pass this to people and don't even know it. I mean, I, I had full blown covid and had I was really just, you know, pre symptomatic. And I was with uh, the snow princess, my girlfriend, the day before I was just hit by a bus. You all remember I was doing the show. She wasn't vaccinated at that time. She was fine. Never got sick. And, and got tested. Didn't have COVID. So this notion that their people are just passing COVID on so rapidly and so easily and it's happening all over the place who feel 100% fine? Really? Does that, does that happen with the flu as well? Remember, pre-symptomatic, that has been established with the flu. You have the virus in your system, your body's mounting the response. But asymptomatic infection with the flu? Do you really? Is that what goes on? Yeah, it's okay. Six feet, 60 feet, three feet, makes no difference. One mask, two masks, five masks. Why not goggles? Wipe down your groceries. Wear gloves. Wash your hands a million times a day. Think of all the dumbass stuff they've told you all along here. But yeah, no, listen to them now, you know. Put it, put an experimental vaccine uh, that's the first really of its kind in mass distribution, or the first, you know, these these uh, mRNA vaccines. You know, put it in your one-year-old because Dr. Fauci says so. Okay. This is what we're heading to as a society. Um, we really do need to consider what would, what it would be like if we had uh, if we had a national divorce, if we had a country that said, you know what, all the hysterical leftists, we're going we're gonna to let you have, you, you can have a country and then people that live in normalcy with common sense and believe in individual responsibility and liberty and, and basic human dignity, uh, they can live in another country. It, it would be really interesting to watch that play out. I'm just saying as a thought experiment, it would be really interesting to watch that play out. I mean, right now, I... I would love the I would love to move to a place that rejected Fauciism as part of its state ethos. Um, but there is no such place yet. Ron DeSantis has done what he can as the governor of Florida. But there are, you know, there are mayors and there are private businesses and there's federal government regulation that comes in with airports and airlines. But, yeah, Rogan's just saying people, you know, we, we've lived in a society where people have had the flu and been getting the flu and dying, you know, year in, year out. And we didn't have to deal with all this stuff. And I guess you could have had, you know, pre-symptomatic spread of flu, but we weren't expected to all hunker down and hide, you know. Yeah, at some level. We're all just playing the lottery here with our health. We, we don't know what's going to happen. There is no perfect safety or security and the promise of such from the state is a Faustian bargain. Faustian bargain, indeed. You know, it, it just seems to me that this kind of misinformation, I mean, you know, Tucker Carlson has really become a public health hazard. Uh, that airing to millions of people yesterday was so um, despicable. I mean, asking people to confront 
other people as to their own personal choice to not only wear a mask, but also to have their children wear a mask. In terms of wearing masks outdoors, I mean, let's remember the super spreader Rose Garden event. Let's remember those super spreader outdoor rallies. And let's also remember that the reason that many people that are vaccinated, like myself, uh, are concerned outside about returning to events is because so many people don't want to get vaccinated because there are these variants yeah. outside because there are people like Tucker Carlson yeah. that are peddling this kind of misinformation right. that are holding us all hostage to others yes. that are public health you know, hazards. How much stupid can we get into one statement? I know it's a game we play sometimes on the show. How much dumb lib nonsense can you fit into one soundbite? We we're trying to set a record, I think, with that one. That was uh, the, the Views Sonny Hostin. Notice that for the people who have been mask shaming others outdoors for a year now, that's fine. Wear a mask. Why are you outside in the park by yourself without a mask? Wear a mask. There's a chance. There's a one in a million chance you're going to give me COVID, which is a 99% recovery rate. But I'm a- That's fine. But Tucker, on his show earlier in the week, merely said, you should convince people, you should use your ability to reason and, yes, bring some of your own social pressure to bear on people who think that masking up their children outside is intelligent because it's not. I'm sorry, Libs, you're sheep, and you've been misled on so much of this. Notice how this was never about Trump for me. For so many of them, it was, though. For so many leftists, it was about Trump. You wear your mask to show you believe the science and you hate Trump. No, I, I thought this was dumb all along. I've never changed my mindset on this because I see what they've been doing. This was never about Trump, but for them it was, and they can't separate it out even now. They're allowed to harass anyone they want. I mean, I still, to this day, I would like to punch in the face some of the people in my building who told me in the 10 seconds that I was walking out of the lobby of my building that I need to wear a mask. The the test and trace system in place for New York, which, oh, remember I told you that was a joke and useless? But, oh, but all the experts like Fauci were saying that test and trace was really. But I told you it was a stupid, useless joke. Who was right? Yeah, it's not chlamydia. It's not syphilis. It's a little harder to track covid contact, isn't it? Uh, so stupid. They're so dumb and pathetic and cowardly. But yeah, when I would walk out my building, I people, you know, wear your mask, bro. Put your mask on. Oh, OK. Because you're in such danger or because I have to comply? Because I'm forced by the state. The state would send people ultimately to remove me from my home to arrest me because my building would evict me and they would. This is how it goes. Fauci gives his guidance. It's just guidance. Fauci's guidance is then seized upon by Democrat tyrants like Cuomo. Cuomo then says by executive order that you have to wear a mask indoors. My privately owned building then says, well, because we have to obey New York state guidance, you have to wear a mask indoors. If I refuse to do so, they say I'm in violation of the terms of my lease. When I'm in violation of the terms of my lease, they then move to evict me. 
They get a court to say because I'm not wearing a mask in a in my in the lobby that I'm paying for access to that I can be removed. If I then refuse, they can send members of the police department to forcibly remove me from the premises. Men with guns to take me out of my own home because I don't want to wear a mask for five seconds through a lobby like a moron. You know, when you really lay it all out, when you really see what they've done, you have a full understanding of their lunacy and their hysteria. The test and trace I brought up because unless you were in close contact with somebody, I think it was for seven minutes, it might have been 15 minutes, didn't even count for test and trace. Because no one actually thinks that you get COVID from walking past somebody for five seconds or 10 seconds or a minute. That doesn't happen. But yet I had people because they felt empowered by the little commissars of Fauciism to shout at me and tell me to wear a mask. They are the idiots, but I'm the one that has to comply. And I'm not letting this go. And, you know, that speaking of idiots that want you to comply, here's Chris Hayes at MSNBC 13. It's either trolling or it's uh, someone in the midst of a genuine breakdown or it's evil or some combination of all three. But it's, you know, we all recognize that's psychotic, right? That's how psychotic it's gotten. We are the the people who believe in liberty. Uh, you and the left believe in tyranny, but we're going to call the cops if you put a mask on your kid and have them take away your kids. Cool. The mask, though, it, it's true. It has taken on a symbolic resonance, I think, on both sides of this, a kind of bulwark uh, amidst the unending campaign of disinformation and downright nihilism and cruelty from the former president all the way to the world of right wing media, you know, telling Americans to inject bleach and then pushing the miracle malaria cure, which was a really, really crazy and destructive period, which kept going for a long time, um, to telling people, particularly senior citizens, to just get out onto the battlefield like warriors and sacrifice your life so that Donald Trump can get reelected. And all the people that were part of that, all that disinformation being pumped into people, they're partly responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths and the worst response to the virus among wealthy nations worldwide. And we were all traumatized by that. Yeah, he's a he's a psychotic lunatic who doesn't think he's anything or, or isn't anywhere near as smart as he thinks he is. He went to Brown, first of all, which is a joke of an institution. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're all responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths. No, you moron. We masked. We locked down. We did all the petty tyrant bull crap that we were made to do. And we still had a lot of people die because this is a virus that spreads the same way. We've never been able to stop everybody from getting the common cold. We were not able to stop everybody from getting covid. Fauciism failed. And now you want people to keep masking up their three year old on the playground so that you look cool to your friends in Park Slope. That's what this has come down to. We did it your way, Lib, and it failed. They got to blame somebody else and they want to keep that control, that sweet, delicious control of everyone and everything. Some of us say no. If you're using the Internet, which all of us are, your privacy is under assault. That's just a fact. Big tech is tracking you and they want to sell your data. They are doing that to third parties. That's how they make their money. So do you want to have privacy these days? You got to realize they're keeping all that information who knows how this is going to be used against you in the future? 
and you just want to be able to interact online without having big tech spying over your shoulder. You also want protection. You want encryption for your data in case you're using a public Wi-Fi system. There are hackers who could try to get into your stuff. That's why you need a virtual private network. A virtual private network creates privacy for you by shrouding your IP address from big tech's peering eyes, and it encrypts your data, and that way the bad guys can't just hack in and steal all your stuff. The best VPN out there is ExpressVPN. It's so easy. I've got it switched on to protect my computer, my phones. ExpressVPN masks, that's right, masks your data so big tech can't just constantly spy on you and sell it. So it's easy to use. It costs you about six bucks a month. All you have to do is download the app to your phone, set it up for your devices, and you're good to go. Stop handing over your data to big tech companies. Go with the VPN I trust for online protection. Visit expressvpn.com slash buck. You'll get three months free on a one-year package. All you have to do, go to this website now, expressvpn.com slash buck. You'll get three extra months free on a one-year deal. Expressvpn.com slash buck. So what should we make of what we're likely to hear tonight from this Biden administration? The first address to a joint session of Congress, very similar to, but not quite a State of the Union address. We have with us now Alan West, who's the chairman of the Texas State GOP. He's also former lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. Chairman West, great to have you. It's good to be with you, Buck. Thank you. So tell me what what your top line feelings are about what's already you know they, they release some of what we're going to hear in advance tonight we're going to hear in just a little bit what biden has to say about his first hundred days what do you see in these first hundred days well i see in the first hundred days a person that has uh, put americans out of work a person that has declared war on the oil and gas uh, industry. I mean, we were energy independent. Now we're on the path of being energy dependent. Uh, a person that has, uh, once again, started the decimation of our economy that was going very well. Thank God that I think there are a lot of trends in place. But with the massive spending, it's going to be absolutely incredible for us to maintain a successful, thriving free market economy. And without a doubt, when we look at what is going on here in Texas, he has implemented an open borders agenda which basically is undermining the sovereignty of the United States of America, especially the sovereignty of Texas. So I don't see anything positive coming out of these first 100 days. But then again, I'm not a progressive socialist. Yeah. Is this a more left wing Biden administration, Chairman West, than, than you anticipated? Or is this pretty much what you thought we were getting, even though they presented Biden in a different light during the campaign? Well, I knew what we were getting, but sadly, we had a lot of Americans that did not believe in what they were getting. Uh, but Biden is just a figurehead. He's just a puppet. And, and you know, the progressive socialist left controls the Democrat Party. And behind the scenes, you have Barack Obama, you have Valerie Jarrett, you have Susan Rice as domestic policy uh, advisor, and you have all of the retreads from the, uh, the, the Obama administration. So, we're just going right back to where we were. Look at the, now they want to go back into the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the Iranian nuclear agreement, at a time when we're finding out that uh, John Kerry, our climate envoy, was uh, delivering uh, you know information and secrets uh, about Israeli actions and also undermining the uh, national security of the United States of America with the foreign minister of Iran. So this is what is happening. But tonight we're going to be told, uh, don't don't believe your your eyes, believe my words. 
We're speaking to the chairman of the Texas State GOP, former congressman as well, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. And and uh, Chairman West, I, I have to say one area where there's been a tremendous media focus and the Democrat Party certainly weighs in on this a lot that that just seems it's it's tough to tell sometimes whether they intend it as a as more of a distraction from the socialist agenda because we're all at each other's throats so to speak in in the media about uh, what's going on with law enforcement in this country and and you know minority communities and the law enfo- and law enforcement relationships what what do you make of the the plan here why are why is the Biden Harris administration pushing this anti-cop narrative despite the fact that we have Data showing the last 12 months has been one of the worst in decades for increase in all kinds of violent crime, including murders. Well, they don't want you to, to know that. I mean, case in point, in Austin, Texas, the capital of the great state of Texas, uh, where they defunded their police department, you've seen a 64 in- percent increase in violent crime and you see that all across the country as you just articulated but what they do want to us to focus on are the uh individual incidents of bad police officers to try to demonize an entire force law enforcement uh, overall because they want control of the streets they want the chaos they want the violence they're the ones that are releasing these criminals out of uh, out of prison and out of jail, or they're not even holding them on bail. Case in point, again, here in Dallas County, we have a far left district attorney by the name of John Crusoe. If you uh, commit an offense seven hundred fifty dollars or less, he doesn't even prosecute you. And furthermore, they're releasing a lot of criminals out of jail. So. This is what is happening, but they want to keep us focused on, you know, the 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 you know Derek Chauvin case or things of that nature. I guarantee you, this past weekend, there were more shootings and and more murders of blacks in Chicago, Detroit, Illinois, wherever you want to call it, um, than than what we hear about, you know, bl- black, white police officers shooting unarmed black individuals. Speaking to uh, Chairman of the Tex- uh, Texas State GOP. Alan West, and he was a lieutenant colonel in the Army and also a congressman. Um, Chairman West, uh, what what do you think about the state of GOP, dare I say, resistance to this increasingly, obviously, socialist Biden administration? What are the messages and and who do you think is, is effectively carrying the message right now that we need to hold the line against the Biden administration policies, these radical left policies, and also mobilize for a midterm election that seems like it's far away. But as, as you well know, as somebody who stood for office and won before, uh, it's going to come in the, in the blink of an eye. Yeah, it's absolutely going to come in a blink of an eye. And, and I think that the most important telling thing that you saw this week were the release of the census numbers. And we saw all of those blue states losing congressional representation, red states uh, picking them up. Uh, you look at Texas, Texas is going to get two new congressional districts. So what we need to do is be making making sure that we you know, have good, strong uh, redistricting. And we got to make sure we defend it in the courts because that's what the Democrats are going to do. They're not focused on the fact of why or they're losing so much population because of those failed policies in California, Illinois, Michigan, New York, uh, and, and all of the other places. So I think that when you look at our champions, we've got to start focusing at the grassroots level to get the information out there, get people engaged, get them involved so that they can make the right and proper decision. We've got to train and, and recruit that next generation of strong constitutional conservative candidates to get out there and really be ready to take back the House. House, uh, hold on, take back the Senate away from Chuck Schumer. 
You know, I just came back from from the border, uh, Chairman West, and and I I saw myself just how how lawless it is and and how it's it is not under control. I feel uh, for the men and women of Border Patrol who are doing what is an, an impossible job. They're under resourced and they're overtaxed with all the you know, they have the humanitarian mission now that's well beyond the resources of Border Patrol to handle of all these people who are coming into the country illegally. You have cartels smuggling. We don't we don't know the degree. We just know it's a lot. And we know that it's poisoning mm-hmm. Americans and leading to uh, gang turf wars all over the country. And it seems to me that this is an extreme political vulnerability for the Biden administration. But they're making it difficult to get the word out. Do you think that this could be something that the GOP uses to show the American people the real dysfunction and radicalism of this Biden administration? And how do we get that message out? Well, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And this is one of the reasons why we were successful in the 2020 election cycle in uh, making incredible strides in the Rio Grande Valley because we were there. We showed up. We maintained that constant engagement and we continue to this day. And they don't want open borders. They don't want to see the, the, uh, the terrorist cartels in charge. They don't want to see their safety and security being threatened. Uh, and, and they want to have good economic and education opportunities for their, for their children. So we just need to capitalize on the absence of any type of principled uh, leadership, the, the abdication of the rule of law that we have seen from the Biden administration. They have an open borders agenda. An open borders policy has been put in place by executive order. And the people along the Rio Grande Valley, they see that, they understand it. And I don't see how any Democrat is going to be successful in the state of Texas with what is happening with the Biden administration. Lieutenant uh, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, sir, thank you so much for joining us from the uh, Texas State GOP. Always appreciate perspective. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. My pleasure, Buck. But I, and I used to do it. And then when I wasn't around someone, you know, I would take the thing and then pull it down. Right. And then when I got near people, I put it back. But now up. you can run without the but mask because you're vaccinated. Okay. But the thing is, is that if the former guy and others who are who are vaccine hesitant, and I know there are some reasons for it, pregnant women. OK, fine. But for people just to say, I don't want to take it for no good reason, because the former guy says they shouldn't or they could, because they believe it was a hoax, as he said, that's ridiculous. That's that's actually stopping people from being able to relax other guidelines and the mask guidelines because you're not vaccinated. So I don't want you around one of my loved ones or anyone who may have a pre-existing condition because you just don't want to do it. Have some good reason other than you just don't want to do it because you make it worse for all of us. That's what I'll say about that transparency. See, the 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 statist Democrat mindset is that whatever the government wants to do to you, even if it's for a an infinitesimal risk, they now have a right to do to you because it's about it's about protecting the other people. They can inject you with whatever they want. They can lock you in your home. They can you, know, you you actually have no rights to live your life as a human being until they say so. And Democrats and Don Lemon's uh, particularly stupid, but Democrats in general don't understand the philosophical problems with this, the deep, fundamental philosophical issues and problems with this. And yet they think they're the good guys in all of this. They think they're the heroes in this whole process. Isn't that remarkable? And, and they, they, they brag about this. 
They flaunt their idiocy as though it's a reason to to admire them. I mean, here's another. Here's at MSNBC. Joy Reid. I'm not making this up. She's outdoors. She's fully vaccinated by her own admission. She's outside. She's alone. And she wants you to know that when she's jogging, she's wearing two masks. Play four. Dr. Gupta, I am among the fully vaccinated, uh, joined Team Pfizer, uh, and I did go jogging today in the park, uh, and I did, this was the mask that I wore with a doctor's mask under it, and most of the people that I saw that were in the park, the park was packed, I would say like 95% of the people still had masks on. There are people who are getting really upset about that. I won't name them. Should people be freaking out that some people like myself who are vaccinated are still wearing masks outdoors? Yes. Because it's dumb and because it's the mindset that you think that everybody should have to do your stupid things. She's double masking, which, by the way, does not make sense in any circumstance. Go see Dr. Osterholm's own statements on this, who is a Biden COVID advisor. Double masking is stupid, but Fauci had to come up with a pivot after Mass campaigns and mandates all winter didn't do a damn thing. So, it was, oh, now, you know, it's we really need to double mask. That was the problem. Oh, OK. Yeah, sure. It's so stupid, friends. It really is. You know, and it's noticeable. You know, I, I again, I have this friend, a friend who maybe wore a mesh mask recently on an airplane. And a mesh mask, you're still breathing through the mesh mask, but it just doesn't really stop much of your breath. You're still p- put, putting it through a filter. That's not allowed. This this friend of mine on the flight, who is immune, by the way, to begin with, uh, but this friend of mine may have been breathing through a mesh mask, and he may have had one of the, uh, the super Karens of the airline industry come over and say, your mask is unacceptable, Put on this cloth mask, you know, the little the little uh, paper. It's paper mask. And I, I said, oh, OK, so I, I did it because I don't want to. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. My friend did it. My friend did it because he doesn't want to get you know banned from the airline forever. But it's really you must be uncomfortable. We, we demand that you be uncomfortable. Oh, I'm sorry. They think the paper mask where that just forces air up and below. It, it doesn't filter out jacks. It forces air up and below. That's how it actually the, the paper mask, which is not medical grade, which doesn't do a damn thing. That's OK. But you see, it's harder to breathe through. And it's about making my friend uncomfortable with all the rest of the sheep, even though he's immune. And even though this is stupid. If they can make you do these things. They know they can make you do anything. We've been running a Milgram experiment and everyone's running around electrocuting each other because Fauci says so. Right? Remember the Milgram experiment? Authority figure, a social psychology experiment. Someone in a lab coat comes in and says, we want you to press that button. And they're watching people get actors pretend to get electrocuted. And they keep doing it. Bam, bam, bam. Ah, people getting electrocuted. Oh, but the, but the smart man in the lab coat told me to do it. Electrocuted, electrocuted, more and more and more. The people that come up to me, the airline stewardess that came up to my friend and said, change your mask 
because you have to be st- you have to stifle your breath and be uncomfortable with all the rest of the people that we're making do this like lunatics. They are the people that are hitting the electrocution button because they've been told to do so. They're the ones that insist on making other people suffer because they've been told to do so. That's all it takes. That's all they need. It's appalling, isn't it? But this is where we are as a society. This is this is what we have been pushed to. And I am furious about it. I am angry about what Fauci has done to this country and what MSNBC and CNN. Notice how they, they always take these cheap shots. Oh, Trump said nobody, nobody injected bleach, you idiots. It's a stupid talking point. And hydroxychloroquine was just an, an effort and it's entirely safe to take. It's been on the market for 50 years. You know what else doesn't work very well? Remdesivir. But that's being given to people. Oh, but it's because it's the best we've got. You know, in, in the early stages, they, they always do this. In the early stages of the pandemic, yeah, there, there were some things that weren't really known. You'll notice that I, I, don't, I don't hold people to the same standards in the, in the public health establishment for what they said in April and, and even into May of 2020 as what they were saying in the summer and the fall and this past winter. And, you know, we have a lot more data now. We have a lot more knowledge. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you that there are still doctors out there who believe in essentially, I, I forget what it is. They, they think that it's worth taking. There's a very uh, safe drug that people will take for intestinal parasites. And some doctors believe that it's useful as, as, a, as, as it shortens the duration, maybe for some folks of, uh, of COVID. And it doesn't hurt you. It's very safe. So people have been taking it. So you know, but but this thing about the bleach and the hydroxychloroquine, you know, Trump never said inject bleach. OK, and the hydroxychloroquine thing, it was it was worth a shot for people. It was worth a shot. Oh, I already told the snow princess. I said, you know what I'm doing this weekend? I'm going to be making you a delicious grass fed ribeye. Oh, the buttery notes in this meat. I'm telling you, amazing. I love moink meat and all you have to do to get it delivered to your home to get a moink box is go to this website moinkbox.com slash buck that's right moinkbox.com slash buck they will deliver grass-fed grass-finished beef and lamb pastured pork and chicken and wild-caught alaskan salmon it's sent directly to your door and when you support moink you're helping family farms stay independent outside of big agriculture These animals are raised outdoors. The fish swim wild in the ocean. Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormone sugar, and all the other junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. Oh, once you try Moink, I've got the steak coming out this weekend. They've got fillets, ribeyes, New York strip. They'll just send it all to you. You go, you pick the meats you want, and it comes in your box. And you can get Moink meat delivered to you each month. It's amazing. Oh, and the bacon is the best bacon you've ever had. Go to moinkbox.com slash buck right now and you'll get ground beef free for a year. That's right. Listeners to the show get free ground beef for a year. This is who you should get your proteins from. Whether we're talking red meat, chicken, pork, fish, moinkbox.com slash buck. So delicious. 
M-O-I-N-K, box.com slash buck. Let's check in with Poso. That's right, Jack Posobic, our friend from One America News Network, who is always on top of the latest breaking news. We've got Rudy Giuliani here with his apartment rated Jack, the former mayor of New York City, presidential candidate, counselor to President Trump, and they've seized, federal investigators seized electronic devices all about, well, tell us, what's what's happening here? What's going on? Well, Buck, I, I've just seen the headline. That's really all I know about it thus far. Uh, I've seen the New York Times report, the AP report. It seems to me that they're uh, trying to allege he was up to something with Ukraine. Uh, they're claiming improper lobbying or something like that. But what this really amounts to, as far as I can tell, is yet again, this is the Southern District of New York. They're doing everything they can to go after anybody who was favorable to President Trump, to the Trump administration, someone who worked with the president, someone that stood by him uh, throughout everything. And, of course, go after somebody who, of course, was a very successful mayor of New York City compared to the current mayor of New York City, someone who at one point was considered a potential shoe in for the presidency. Um, and really someone who's just been a thorn in the side of the in, kind of the institutional left for about a, a generation at this point. Jack, we should expect this as as abhorrent as it is. I just think everybody should have in their minds that this is how the Democrats play the game. Republicans, when they're in power, want to be liked and be fair to the other side. Democrats come into power and they settle scores. As I say, they go around after the battle and they bayonet the wounded survivors politically. And and this to me, I mean, whether it's the way the uh, the uh, Southern District of New York went after Dinesh D'Souza for a campaign finance violation, which he then had to be pardoned for by President Trump, the way that you have all these different district attorneys that uh, are running investigations against Republicans here in, in New York City, they're, they have Cy Vance bringing investigations against the Trump organization they the Democrats routinely weaponize investigations and prosecutors offices against Republicans. And, and I don't think that people have really woken up to how damaging and how how dirty this is. Well, that's right, Buck. And for the prosecutors and, and I think people are starting to get it. I think it actually has been something that that the wider public is starting to get a hold of this idea of lawfare being used against political opponents the way it was used against President Trump for pretty much the entirety of his presidency, starting even before his presidency with the Crossfire Hurricane operation. Um, And so going in, right, these prosecutors, they know that there is no downside to them for bringing charges, bringing investigations um, for political purposes. There is no oversight of this process. We've seen time and again that even if you can prove, right, that these were the flimsiest of pretexts, the flimsiest um, amounts of, of probable cause to go after somebody, that, that nothing will happen to them. The system will protect them. There is a two-tier system. And by the way, that's not to say that, you know, I'm, I'm saying that, you know, Rudy definitely didn't do anything wrong or anything like that. But you also have to look at the, uh, at the conduct of how people are judged in this. Tony Podesta, when he was do- doing a lobbying contract for the uh, the government of Ukraine, he was given a pass, a complete pass on that by the Mueller investigation. But then Paul Manafort went, they went full bore and threw the 
the book against him because he was doing the exact same contract for Viktor Yanukovych. So what's the difference here? Well, the difference is, do you have a D after your name or an R after your name? One person has to pay a fine. Another person gets put through the ringer. Seems to me, and we're speaking to Jack Posobiec of One America News. Uh, you know, Rudy is a fighter and obviously knows the law quite well. And he's he's not going to allow this to go with without uh, some form of of pushback. Um, but I got to say, uh, this Biden administration, Jack, you know, it's really a lot of the people from the Obama era who have come back and they're zealots and they view doing an injustice in the cause of 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 the, the greater left as justice. And I think that's something else that everyone needs to understand. If their their abuse of the process in order to stop the return of the insurrection and of Trumpism is entirely justified in the minds of a lot of very powerful Democrats in the federal bureaucracy and in elected office. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you look at what they're doing to the people from January 6th. Now, these two guys uh, that they've arrested for assaulting Officer Sicknick in court yesterday, something that the mainstream media hasn't even picked up on, is that even the prosecutors now have dropped the story about the bear spray and are admitting it was probably just pepper spray, which, of course, and this is, of course, is in their statement of findings. It's going to be very hard for anyone to be convinced that pepper spray led to what unfortunately happened to Brian Sicknick. Um, people were saying that the bear spray actually wasn't even used that day. So you look at the amount of force they used to go after somebody when it came to the January 6th riot versus all the riots that we've seen going on across the country, night after night, Portland, Seattle, Chicago, Minneapolis, uh, everything that happened in Kenosha. The only person they went after in Kenosha was Kyle Rittenhouse, right? And so again and again, we see this same kind of two-tiered system of justice. Jack, I also want to ask you, we're speaking to Jack Posobiec of One America News about this, uh, speaking of justice, the situation in North Carolina, Elizabeth City. We've had the judge just today refuse to release body camera footage from the officers who shot Andrew Brown Jr., a, a a known drug dealer with a very, very long criminal record. 20 seconds of video has been shown to the family of Andrew Brown Jr. They're saying it's not enough. They'll only be able to watch the redacted footage. What can you tell us about the status of this case and, and the continued night after night protests? Well, so North Carolina is a little different. They actually have a law in the books as pertains to body cameras and investigations because this is something that they decided to take up early on when body cams or body-worn cameras, as you'll hear at BWCs, um, were put into place. So most departments around the country can simply just, just release it on their own. In the state of North Carolina, you actually need a judge's order for this. And in this case, the judge came down and said that he believed that releasing it at this time would impede the investigation. Keep in mind that whenever there's an officer-involved shooting, that triggers an automatic investigation of the officers. I know people like to spread this, this sort of rumor that police are never um, held accountable for their actions, but actually every officer-involved shooting gets investigated. So while that investigation is going on, the judge has decided to release some to the family, but not to the public. Now, the DA, as part, I believe, of that hearing, which was just held earlier today, has stated that he disagrees with what the family attorney was saying. That family attorney, Ben Crump, you'll hear that guy's name again and again in these cases. He typically rep uh, represents the families. Ben Crump said the man's hands were on the steering wheel. Now, that may be true. 
But the relevant context that the DA, and keep in mind, the DA does not work for the department. The DA says that, yes, his hands were on the steering wheel, but that he backed up his car and struck two officers. So well, kind of a relevant context there. Again, we don't know. We only know it's been presented in court, though I doubt the DA would be saying that in court if it were not true. Well, it certainly would, would fall in line with some of the, the thinking that we've heard recently in the aftermath of the Makia Bryant uh, shooting with law, where law enforcement shot Makia Bryant, 16-year-old girl. They left out of a lot of the headlines that she was swinging a large, very sharp knife at another person, a, a young black girl as well, when she was shot. Yes, hands on the steering wheel sounds like somebody is being compliant and sounds like somebody uh, would not need uh, there would be no basis for lethal force to be used against that person. But if their hands are on the steering wheel because they've hit the accelerator and the car is going in forward or reverse with cops around it, then that changes the picture very dramatically, doesn't it? Right. And, And you really got this situation now where there are people who are trying to make an entire industry out of demonizing police officers, lying about police officers, leaving out context, you know, sins of omission, we would say in the Catholic Church, um, bringing up these cases to try to inflame tensions in order to really shake down these cities, um, in order to get these settlements in, just like the George Floyd family got $27 million before a case was even heard. This has been the modus operandi, the MO of these lawyers, specifically Ben Crump in in to be clear. And so this is a guy who I would I would really caution people to take anything he says with an extreme grain of salt, because again and again, he has been known to leave out this key context. They want you to believe that police in this country are going around indiscriminately shooting black men, black uh, teenagers in the case of McKee Bryant. And that is just not the case. There was always context. There was always more to the story. Coming up here in just a little bit, and we're speaking to Jack Posobiec of One America News. Jack, as you know, we've got the Biden speech to the joint address of Congress. I'm calling it the state of the delusion address, right? That'll be a lot of of uh, just happy talk that doesn't really reflect reality. What what is, what are the biggest for you 100 days into this Biden administration? What are the biggest takeaways uh, that, that you've seen and the things that we need to either be most aware of, most concerned about and push back on the most? Well, I think it's it's interesting, right, because conservatives need to look at Biden's 100 days and I think uh, to call him out where where we can, but to also take note of the things that he's picking up that he learned from us. So what do I mean by that? Um, so, of course, the crisis at the border is entirely a crisis of Joe Biden's own own making, and he needs to own that and he needs to own up to it. Uh, number two, canceling the Keystone XL pipeline. Everything he's done to throw our gas prices and our, our gas and energy markets around the world into absolute chaos, driving the price of oil up. Uh, this is, by the way, something that helps Russia very much. But of course, you know, you won't hear anyone on the left talking about that. Um, and his really just letting loose of the attorney general, as I mentioned before, the Department of Justice to go after conservatives, to go after political opponents. But I think you're also going to hear tonight Joe Biden make a really strong pitch for the infrastructure deal and for paid family leave. Now, these are two things, Buck, that Donald Trump campaigned on in 2016, but were not things that really saw the light of day during his administration. And I think conservatives really need to look at that and understand that these are going to be huge applause lines, that people at home watching this thing are absolutely going to be nodding their heads when they hear it. 
It's something that conservatives, if you are the pro-family party, if you are the pro-family movement, um, really should be taking up that mantle. And Joe Biden here is outflanking conservatives on their right in these things. What do you think is the most effective line of of attack and response that uh, we can have? I think Tim Scott is giving a response, uh, the uh, the senator um, uh, and so what, what, what should he focus in? I mean, I, I view the border as a top issue, but because the media doesn't spend much time on it, I feel like it's not top of mind for a lot of folks out there across the country. What, what do you think is the area? Well, if I were Tim Scott, I would put, I would come out and say, Joe Biden promised us unity. He promised us that he would cool things down, that he would provide that sort of national togetherness that seemed to have been lost in somewhere from 2015, 2016, and then on forward. It would just everyone's been at each other's you know necks, proverbially, uh, at least in a political sense, certainly online. And Joe Biden hasn't delivered that. In fact, he's come out and even further fanned the flames when. George Floyd's uh, trial ended and Derek Chauvin was found guilty. Joe Biden didn't come out and say, I think they did a great job. He came out and said, this proves America is systemically racist. That was not something that was talked about at the trial. That wasn't a trial about America, right? But they turned it into it. And Joe Biden used that for petty political partisanship. And he is inflaming the divisions we've seen again and again. So I would really push that onto Joe Biden, make him own up to his own words, hold hold him to his own standards and say, Joe, you promised to be fair. You promised to end this division, and you haven't done it. Jack Posobiec of One America News Network. Jack, always appreciate you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Buck. I look at it as a security challenge, and it's getting more and more dangerous because a cult, which is what this is akin to in terms of what Trump is doing with his base, a cult doesn't survive by proving the lie it's based on, but it simply has to perpetuate it and keep the lie alive. So what you're going to see here is this privately funded, mysterious audit being conducted essentially in the dark. We're blind to it. No one seems to know what the audit procedures are going to be. Don't be surprised if this firm, which is far from independent, comes out and says, you know, we're not sure there were problems with something and vibrations in the voting machines may have caused this or that. It's just got to be enough to keep the lie alive. And that's what gets people violent. That's what gets people thinking democracy's at stake here. Someone's cheating us in our vote and we've got to act out. And what do cults do when confronted with the truth? They burn the compound down. Oh, yeah. Frank Figliuzzi, among the biggest deep state lunatics you will ever see on television. This guy appears on MSNBC all the time. And this is the guy who I just want you to remember, he is the paid national security contributor at MSNBC who claimed that there was a a Hitler reference in Trump lowering flags for the victims of a shooting. All right. This guy is a lunatic. All right. It's unbelievable. He's he was the one who said that Trump made an actual Nazi gesture. This was here. This is from Mediaite from uh, a few years back. Figliuzzi uh, was on after two mass shootings over the weekend. Uh, Figliuzzi said that there are similarities between how uh, domestic white supremacist terror in the United States can follow the same methods of radicalization he saw in Islamic terror. Not only is the Internet facilitating the speed of radicalization, but our leader, our chief executive, is seen as almost a mentor and a radicalizer. Oh, I mean, 
The president said we will fly our flags at half-mast on August 8th. That's 8-8. Now, I'm not going to imply he did this deliberately, but I'm using this as an example. The numbers 8-8 are very significant in the neo-Nazi and white supremacy movement. Why? Because the letter H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. To them, the numbers 8-8 stand together for Hitler. So we're going to be raising the flag back up at dusk on 8-8. I mean, this guy is a lunatic maniac. That they put, but now he's now he's on MSN. Think about this. He's referencing. I don't even know what the hell he's talking about. He's referencing. This was back in 2019, August 7th of 2019, referencing Trump lowering the flags to half staff for a shooting victim. But because it happened to be the 8th of August, he's saying, "Whoa, 8th of August, 8th is H for H for Hitler." <laughs> this guy is a maniac. He's on MSNBC, and he's so opposed to a recount effort in Arizona. To see what happened in that state. Recounts are part of democracy. Recounts are a part of the system. So what's the problem? Why do they get so upset the moment somebody says, well, let's just take a look at what happened here. Don't ever forget that social media shut it down. You weren't allowed to even you weren't allowed to question any of the results. You weren't allowed to say that you thought there was anything funky going on here. They would shut you down. Our communications, our mass communications in this country were, were did not allow for people to say that they had doubts about the election. Whether you have doubts or not, whether you think that's a fair thing to say or not, they essentially seized the telegraph office. To borrow from the Bolshevik Revolution, they seized the telegraph office and then told us what was allowed to be said and thought. I think that alone is cause for greater scrutiny of the election. Ain't no party like a Team Buck party, because a Team Buck party don't stop. It's That's time right, that, for Roll Call. A Team Buck party does not stop because of all of you, because of all of you writing in and telling us things and being a part of this funky show. This funky jam. Did you, producer Mark, did you even get to experience the greatness of 90s dance music? Like, pump up the jam, pump oh, it up. Or like, of course. I like to move it, move it. You know what I mean? Did you? I mean, I didn't experience it like at a bar or at a club when it was new. But, you know, I've definitely danced to that music before. I love that stuff. What was, what was this? If I ask you for the song that you remember from school dances... What's the first song that comes to mind from like when you started going to school dance is probably what seventh, eighth grade. Oh, it's definitely uh, hmm. in middle school. I don't remember. Honestly, in elementary school, I'd say Backstreet Boys something because I loved the Backstreet Boys when I was a kid. A lot of people did. A lot of people did. There is that. uh, What is it? You are my fire. My one desire. That song. I want it that way. Yeah, yeah, that song gets stuck in the center of your brain, like it gets it, it like hides in the in the synapses, and all of a sudden later on the day you're like, yeah, you start singing yeah, the whole thing. That you know? sounds great. Yeah, exactly. So there's that going on. Do you have any any stories from Markland? Uh, anything coming up? We gonna we gonna we gonna sneak you to what's the equivalent? Can I can we take you to like a triple A baseball game so it's not quite as expensive? Is that an option? Is there is one of those things around here somewhere? Uh, yeah, in uh, Buffalo. Ooh, far. There's a um, single don't tell, A. Don't tell the Snow Princess I yeah. said that, by the way. The uh, Mets single A team is in Coney Island. 
Okay. And it's a beautiful ballpark. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure you've been to Coney Island at some point, but it overlooks the boardwalk and all the rides and everything. I think I haven't been to Coney Island since my maternal grandparents took me there when I was a little, little kid. And we got a Nathan's hot dog. I barely remember it, but they did take me once. My my grandparents are from Brooklyn on that side, way back when. They're, they're from Brooklyn. Their parents are from Brooklyn. I think we go back to... 1840s Brooklyn on that wow. side. So yeah, we've been around. We've been running around NYC for a long time. Um, but yeah, no, okay. So maybe that's maybe that's an option because I mean, what? And let's be real here. I mean, to get Mets tickets right, you can't even get them right because they're they're season ticket holders only. Well, yeah, they are on the secondary markets right now. They're just more expensive than they usually would be. Normally, a game in you know midweek game in April or May, you may be paying fifty, sixty dollars for good seats, but because um, right now, there's only 20% capacity. Cuomo just raised it to 33. He just pulled an arbitrary number out of his behind um, starting in May. But it's still more expensive because it's a supply and demand issue. So we're looking, what, a couple hundred bucks for, like, uh, nosebleed seats right now in the Mets? Uh, you're probably playing 100 bucks for nosebleed seats, yeah. Okay, we could do that. We, we don't have to take you to Coney Island. Although I will say it probably would be fun to see at that because I'm, I'm guessing you kind of have closer access to the field and everything else, you know. I so I like tennis, as you know, you know, no surprise, I'm sure I like tennis and and I actually watch at the professional level sometimes. And I love going to the U.S. Open. But my favorite part of the U.S. Open was going to see uh, the 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 lower level uh, players or lower ranked players. I should say lower level sounds a little intense, lower ranked players, because they'll be on some of the outlying courts. You'll see the number 30 in the world play the number 70 in the world. Right. Instead of watching, you know. Serena Williams, who was number one woman for so many years, were watching Roger Federer just splash some scrub uh, in the you know in the main huge stadium, right? That's what, oh, everyone wants to go see the best player. I like to go see the number thirty play against the number seventy because as somebody who actually enjoys playing tennis, you can get right up on the court, and these guys are amazing. I mean, they're the third, you know, if you're the thirty or fiftieth best tennis player in the world, male or female, you're a phenom. You're incredible. And you know what I mean? You get that extra access. Yeah, you, there's no really equivalent of that in baseball other than spring training. Because in spring training, well, obviously before COVID, I, I assume afterwards, also you can get you go up to the fields where they're practicing and get really close. Um, you're not necessarily doing that for a game, but you can do that for practices. I mean, being at the third baseline in the... Uh, for a Mets game or being at the, I guess, the halfway mark, I'm guessing, is the best seats in uh, the half line, you know, front row for a Rangers game. Which one is more exciting? Uh, there's nothing more exciting than a playoff hockey game. Okay. All nothing right. in the world more exciting. I, I haven't forgotten. I promised I was taking you to a hockey game, and then the pandemic happened. So I do have a good excuse. I will, yes. I will say that. They did shut down of the entire world after I said we're going to go do a hockey game but uh yeah so I think we'll do that but I also I want to go see a baseball game cuz I'm now the now the now the uh the food which I all I ever talk this is where we get hungry in the show and all I talk about is the food the food at the stadiums though now is good enough you know if I can sit there get some sun and stuff my face with gluten-free pulled pork I'm good to go baby I'm ready to rock I promise we will get to a Met game sometime this summer All righty yeah. all righty there we go we got a, we got a Met game on the horizon and now let's get into our roll call we got tj first up here buck i've been thinking about how republicans in congress should approach the time between now and the 2022 election and the time following the 22 election assuming the gop is able to take the house and senate we need to have a solid approach 
until 2024 when we can get a Republican president. One approach would be to appeal to their base and go scorched earth on Biden and the Democrats for two years, while the softer approach would be to try to get popular legislation through the Biden-Harris will actually sign, uh, get it through that Biden-Harris will actually sign. Personally, I hope they can figure out a balance between these, which requires some good communication to the American people from our future speaker and the Senate Majority Leader. But I feel there's a good probability that the GOP will not have much of a coherent legislative agenda going into 2022 and will essentially get themselves voted out by 2024. This is a a really in-depth roll call message. So in regards to the future speaker, what do you think about the idea of having a GOP getting a few speaker candidates out there, having some GOP policy debates? Uh, TJ, you're, you've thought about this a lot, and I appreciate that, and you're really thinking through the strategy. So, yeah, I just I think I'll just co-sign, you know, just what he said. What do you think? Yeah, just throw a nice little ditto out there. Yeah, yeah. ditto. Uh, look, I, I do think on, on, on the reels uh, here, TJ, I do think, uh, I think Ron DeSantis is going to run for president, and I think he's going to win. That's what I think is going to happen. So that's my prediction right now. We'll have to we'll have to put this one in the books. I think Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, will run for president, and I think he's going to win because I think that people in places like Wisconsin and Michigan and and uh, and Pennsylvania can look and say, okay, do we want competent governance? Do we want somebody who understands how to make good decisions that lets people live their lives in greater peace, freedom, and prosperity, or not? If you want the big statist machine making stupid decisions and making your life harder, vote for Biden. If you want somebody who has a proven record of running things well, anyway, vote for Ron DeSantis. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself, I know. And I I understand that some of you really believe that Trump is going to run again. And you could be right. Um, I think that just age and temperament at this stage are going to be too much of a, meaning his feelings about it. I, I think that he knows... MAGA as a movement is the, is the future. MAGA as a movement, not as a person. And that's where Ron DeSantis comes in. And maybe there'll be some other, some other uh, names out there that come up to you. You know, I, I spoke to a J.D. Vance yesterday on my TV show, which you can see if you download the first TV app. And, and J.D. is the author of Hillbilly Elegy. Very sharp guy. Very smart guy. And people are talking about him running for Senate in Ohio, which I think would be great. Uh, he'd be a really strong uh, voice that that he connects with the base. He connects with the Republican people, the Republican voters of America. As you know, my buddy, my close friend, Sean Parnell, is also perhaps going to run for office again. I would love to see Sean maybe run for Senate in Pennsylvania. He had a very close congressional race against Connor Lamb, and I think that in the next cycle, uh, Sean would be really strong if, if he decided to. Maybe he runs for Congress again. Maybe he runs for Senate. But there are some some really good GOP voices out there that I'm, I'm hoping will will get the opportunity to show us what they can do. Glenn. Hey, Bucket Producer Mark. I'm a season ticket holder for the New England Revolution Soccer. They play at Gillette Stadium, and they had their home opener last Saturday. They painted dots on every other parking spot, and our cars had to be socially distanced. We got in lines that weren't socially distanced to get in and sat in pods, as they called it, with no one around, and we still had to wear masks outdoors. 
They had security watching the crowd for compliance and yelled at people to put masks on. I pulled mine down most of the game, but saw a guy in the next section being told to put the mask back on. It made going to the game unenjoyable. I'm thinking of calling sales reps and complaining. This sucks. Love your show. Shields high. Well, Glenn, I don't even know there was a New England soccer team, so thank you for educating me on that. Did you know that, Producer Mark? Yes, it's uh, called Major League Soccer. It is the American Professional Soccer League. I've heard of Major League Soccer, wise ass. I just didn't know about this team. Oh, yeah. They have them in the major markets. They Austin, you know, I was just down in Austin, Texas, and Austin just got a, and I will, like I said, the food, oh, my, producer Mark, the food and all. Have you been to Austin? I haven't. I've never been to Texas. What? Yeah. That's crazy. I haven't traveled uh, very much in my lifetime. I want to travel more. We got to get you to Texas. The food in Austin is... As advertised, amazing. I will. I'll give them credit for that. It's run by a, the city is run by a bunch of lunatic commies, but the food is very high quality. And why, guys? Can we please we or we we conservatives we on the right get things done. We execute. We hold ourselves to real objective standards in all things. That's part of the conservative mindset. Can we please? Start making better food than the libs in the cities. You know, can, can we have can we have some red state parts of the country, some red Republican parts of the country, please start having some, uh, you know, world class cuisine. You know, you could tell me, oh, Buck, what about uh, New Orleans, for example? OK, but, you know. What about New Orleans? A lot of lib restaurants. So this is How this do you is know the, first... the difference between a lib restaurant and a not lib restaurant. Because I, I can smell the lib. I know. Just ask a legitimate question. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's, a fair, it's a, a fair, it's a fair question, but I, I can tell there, you know, there's, there's something Biden-y about the place, you know, something Biden-esque. Uh, but I'm just saying there's, you, you look at, okay, celebrity chefs, for example, that is a real example. You know, you got the, the Tom Colicchio and Mario Batali, you know, all big leftists, all a bunch of commies. So can we please get some right wing thinking chefs out there can we get you know what is it we, we've got to take over we've got to have a conservative project to take over and run a city and it's got to be a place with great food and cool culture and worthwhile things in it can we have it please we have seeded all cities to the left all cities and now those if you're going to send me a Oh, Buck, you know, what about uh, Springfield, Illinois? No, guys, it's got to be a city with, you know, a few hundred thousand people. And I'm talking about here. Not that there's anything, not that there's anything you know, bad about living in a place that's smaller. I think a lot of you are smarter than those of us who live in dense cities. I'm just saying when I'm talking about a city, I mean, a, a pretty, pretty big city, a pretty substantial one, you know, 250,000 plus in population. You know, that would be and maybe even more like a half a million plus in population. Why can't we have one of those? That's that's solidly red. I know Fort Worth, I think, is, you know, 51 percent Republican or something. And that's a pretty big city, you know. Uh, but even, and, you know, I, I've got we got Idaho audience, for example. Idaho, great red state. Beautiful. Love Idaho. Boise. Liberal. Bunch of libs. How is it that Idaho loses its city to the libs, too? I know. I, this just it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. As for Glenn and the uh, the complaining, they'll just tell you, Glenn, that it's state law or something. And, you know, everyone just passes the responsibility for being 
for being mask uh, nagging loons. They pass it on to somebody else. All right, roll call continuing here. We've got Gina. Hello again, Buck. First of all, thank you so much for doing what the feckless mainstream media and current administration won't do. Tell us straight up what's happening at the border. We all knew, but glad your level ahead brought us confirmation. Second, your guest hosts are always awesome, and I always listen because I remember a young buck on OSS who was also covering for Rush. That made me, and I'm sure millions of your listeners, become addicts. So good on you for giving them the chance. Lastly, ugh, George Bush. While I agree he was what we had, and he suffered tremendous agony from the left, he is not now nor has ever been a conservative. His recent comments have only amplified that realization for me. I was a mortgage banker left devastated foreclosure, bankruptcy under his watch. And then under Obama, even worse. No, George W. Bush was no conservative. Why he's speaking up now is anyone's guess, but my personal opinion is, well, not that important. I'm sure it has nothing to do with conservatism. Shields high. Uh, Gina, first of all, thank you so much for writing in. I appreciate that uh, you bringing back, you're bringing back some of the old OSS days when I would fill in for the uh, the great Rush Limbaugh himself. And um, yeah, that, actually, OS original Saturday Squad days was, I think, before I did my first Rush fill-in because I had moved to weekdays at the Blaze at that point, I think. But I, I kind of forget now. And, you know, Producer Mark, we're at, uh, we're going to be at 10 years, 10 years on uh, in media for me. In June, I'll have been a media personality for 10 years in about a month, which wow. t- time flies, right? Yeah. I've now been here with you for a fifth of that time. There we go. Wait, when did, when did producer Mark join this merry little revolution? It was, uh, I, I po- posted a Facebook status about it, so it was two years ago last week. Oh, wow. Well, oh. well, honored to have you, sir. Honored the to team. be here. The team is very, uh, very thankful, as, as am I. So look at that. Two years. Wow, it feels like it's been longer than that, if I can say it so. It does feel like it's been It feels like longer. this is at least year three or four, but uh, that's just, I think it's in part because you're like the only human, the only real-time human voice that I would talk to during the day for a solid year during yes. the pandemic. So there you go. All right, we got Linda writes in, hey, Buck, your show is terrific. Love listening to you every night, except when they preempt you with hockey. But I do catch your podcast. Keep up the good work. You're great. Take care. Linda from Tampa Bay. Linda, thank you so much for writing in. And yes, always remember, folks, if I'm ever going to get preempted or you miss me on your local station, meaning you miss my time slot, uh, or you're just out of radio range, you can always listen to the Buck Sexton Show on Apple Podcasts, on demand, on your phone. Just go to the Apple Podcast app, type in Buck Sexton, on Spotify, on Podbean, BuckSexton.com has a player. So you don't you won't ever miss a show. iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio, where we're employed. Thank you, Mark. That's it for today, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. Shields high.